Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. We're considering Psalm 44. It's been called the Martyr's Song. Here, the psalmist recalls the miraculous work of God that lays in his own history. But then he tells God that in his present situation, there is no demonstration of his help. Instead, he tells God that God has sold his people on the cheap to their enemies. That's a pretty strong accusation with an interesting point. The psalmist does confess that God is still in control of history, even when that history seems to be turning against God's people. Let's think about this for a moment. God is in control. Man is responsible for his sins. God guides the action of all things to his ends. Look at Acts chapter 2. Here's another example of this. Acts chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Here, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. He's preaching to the multitude or crowds that have gathered around him there in Jerusalem. Just a little over a month prior to this, these same crowds had gathered around and cried out to Pilate for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Now they're listening at the beginning of another festival to the preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost. Fellow Israelites, Peter says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, how do you think they would feel when he said that? (laughs) Maybe they'd feel a little guilty here. You know this. You know he worked miracles and wonders and signs through the power of God. You know it. They must feel a little guilty. They must remember at this moment in time that they knew that, and yet they called out for his crucifixion. Then Peter says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. One author has said that at that moment in time, maybe they breathed a sigh of relief. Oh, wait, (laughs) we're not guilty for this. This was God's plan. This was God's design. It's not on us. It's on God. But Peter's not done. Peter says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. God was completely and utterly sovereign and in control, but those who cried out crucify were accountable for their sins. It tells us that God is never on the sideline wringing His hands and hoping for a good result. It tells us that God indeed does work all things together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. That God is in utter control of all things. That God says over every sinful act that a man might commit what Joseph was able to say to his brothers who had thrown him into a pit and then sold him into slavery because of jealousy. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. God is sovereign. And remember this, that the end declaration of the work of God throughout all history will be this. Has not the judge of all the earth done right? Sovereign in every way controlling all things. Here's another thing to note from this very idea that God is in complete control, and it's this. This notion that God is in complete control over every event rescues us from the hands 
and the whims of men. We are not the victims of men. We are always, in every circumstance, in the hands of God, even in the darkest moment and in the darkest times. We can turn our face from the seeming actors of evil and turn them into a face of God that we can trust in every situation. Even as those actors surround us and may be burning our house down, we trust God. We are not mere victims. God is in control. Having said that, that doesn't mean somehow that we passively accept every evil that's foisted against us. It means that we are free to lawfully and morally resist those acts of injustice that others might bring up against us, but the key word there is lawfully and morally. You remember Paul? Paul accepted what was brought into his life as coming from the hand of God, and at the same time, Paul used his wits to appeal to Caesar. Paul used his knowledge of the Roman law to appeal to those laws and to his citizenship in Rome. Yes, we can use our knowledge of the laws of government even to call for relief in our distresses, but we cannot take the law into our own hands. In the end, always we have to submit to the higher law of a sovereign God who is in control of all things. So Paul appealed to Caesar, but ultimately Caesar was a madman. Nero. And he claimed Paul's life. He was beheaded. And at some point in time, Paul yielded his life, having known that he'd finished his race and that he was ready to lay it down and receive God's well done. He laid his life down as a martyr to his faith. His fate rested like ours in the hands of an all-sovereign God and not in the hands of sinful men. That means I'm not the victim of anything anyone does to me. It means that I am ultimately not subject to their whims. God can work these things, craft these things on my behalf. Let's go to the fourth point here. It says, We are not conscious of having done anything to forfeit thy help. That's verses 17 through 22. We can go through this and we see here this declaration of innocence, this declaration of continued faithfulness to God. And we should note here again that there are times when we suffer and it seems that we suffer on no account for anything that we have done. Remember, the disciples at one point in time saw a blind man in the temple and said, Lord, did this man sin, believing as their rabbis had taught them that man was so sinful that it was capable that they could even sin in the womb? Did this man sin or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus' answer was, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the glory of God might be revealed in his life. There are times when we suffer, and it's not the result of anything that we've ever done. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-6. through 6. Let's read in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His abundant mercy, He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it be tried with fire, 
might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The phrase that I want you to look at there is in verse 6. For a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through multiple temptations or trials. If need be, God determines what we need. God is sovereign over all things so that He takes even the sinful acts of men and orchestrates them to His sovereign purposes and plans. God is sovereign in such a way that He brings to us what need be. What need be. Let me suggest to you four things or four reasons or four needs that God might be pursuing in our lives. The first one here, the psalmist in verse 44 dismisses as the account of what God's done, but sometimes God corrects us and it need be that He corrects us. Sometimes he comes along and he brings trials and reproof our way and they are God's spanking. They're his correction. They're his reproof. If need be, you suffer. Also, second, sometimes we need, always this is true, but sometimes God works through difficulties and challenges because we need through these pressures to be molded in character to be conformed to the image of Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10 says that God brings hardships into our lives for our profit, that we may become partakers of His holiness, so that He might produce in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So God brings difficulties and pressures in our lives as the potter has us upon the wheel, fashioning us in those trials into His own nature, into His own image. Sometimes, if need be, we suffer for a program that God is pursuing for His own glory that we will never fully understand or know. Sometimes we suffer for a program that God is pursuing for His own glory that we'll never understand. We'll never entirely experience. God is orchestrating from our lives an expression of His justice in the world. God is bringing out from our lives and even from our suffering and our trials a witness to the world for His own glory, an expression of His own wisdom. Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 11. There is that great chapter of faith. Let's look at verses 35 through 40. There it describes a number of nameless others throughout history who have suffered without fully knowing why or knowing the answer for their sufferings or experiencing the good of those sufferings in their own lives. Verse 35 of chapter 11 of Hebrews. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world is not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. These are individuals who might have written Psalm 44. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, you'll see, they're the ones who were brought about to say what is spoken in the second section of Psalm 44. All of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In other words, their story was to be completed in a program, in a story that God would write somehow 
into our lives for our benefit and for His glory. We don't always know what God is doing. We don't always understand. We don't understand what He's doing and God doesn't always bother to stop and explain it to us or to make it plain to us. But God is in control and God is gaining glory for Himself and a witness throughout all history. And ours, ours is to trust Him and to insist on looking to Him regardless of our dark trial. This knowledge that God can be doing these things for His own glory and not because of anything we've done, and not even necessarily for anything He wants to deliver to us in this life, there's no lesson to be learned in this, that can be actually a tremendous comfort. That can actually be a point at which we find a declaration of victory. We can say, God, and I think this is what the psalmist is saying here, I don't know what you're doing. I know that this is not a punishment for my sins. I know that I've not forsaken you and I've not forgotten you. God, you know, you see my heart. If you knew that I'd left you, you'd see it. You'd make it known. I know that this is for your sake. It's for your sake that I'm being led as a lamb to the slaughter. If this is true, then God, for your sake, be glorified in my life. I'm going to cling to you and I'm going to trust in you. That's a gift of victory. That's a note of praise. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until our next broadcast, may the Lord bless you.